Every hour on the hour, when we listen and gain our knowledge and power, we turn to the no bullshit hour. Just did breaking news. Double or bullshit. Double or bullshit. No bullshit. Drip, drip, drip. I hold in my hands. The separation agreement released between the state of Michigan and the former head of Health and Human Services, Robert Gordon. It's a hush money scandal that's engulfing Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. What did the COVID czar know before he abruptly quit? How many elderly died in these nursing homes? I'm gonna bring you that update and what's going on with our lawsuit. Joining us is Republican Senator Jim Runstead, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. Very important. Where'd we get the money to pay these incompetent bureaucrats? Where'd we get that money? Also, joining us for the first time is Junior, the junior aide to a junior legislator. Junior went to Lansing to better the world and find out Lansing's a toilet. <laughs> and of course, the continuing education of Detroit comedian Red as we re remake him into a Cracker Jack reporter. I just did my first press conference about the Detroit firefighters drunk driving and tearing up city vehicles. And let me tell you something. That bullshit was more like a school assembly than it was a press conference. <laughs> He's great. Can't wait. Yeah. A lot of stuff. But first, you know, leave that beat on there, right? Leave that on there. It's nice. It's getting me in a nice, mellow mood. It's been a really difficult week. I want to remind you to patronize our friends at American Coney Island, Esquire's top 100 restaurants that cannot be lost in America, lest we lose ourselves. You all know how to get the Coney kit. AmericanConeyIsland.com. They love them in Texas. They love them in Oakland, California. They love them in Flint. Hello, Escanaba. AmericanConeyIsland.com. And if you are downtown, Today, Fridays, Fridays only, all during Lent. Oh, that, that delicious, delicious. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Well, I told you yesterday, I've been having dreams about that fish sandwich. That delicious. Yeah, it's fat people's dreams. Alaskan pollock. Yeah, which is a nice, hearty fish, very clean, with lettuce, onion, no lettuce, tomato, tomato cheese. cheese. Oh, it's delicious. American Coney Island, uh, at the corner of Michigan and Lafayette. Please come on down and visit. Keep one of America's premier restaurants alive. Mm -hmm. And also, as always, it's pretty simple. ADR consultants are the ones you call when you need to get something done right, on time and on budget. We might not have had these problems in Lansing, 
if they called with ADR? unemployment, with the nursing homes, with the contracts. Had you called ADR? If you're an investor and can't get straight answers about whether your assets are properly registered or repaired, call ADR to help with your asset management. Do you have work issues, zoning issues, certification issues? Have ADR work that out. Are you trying to get something remodeled and need permits? There you go. Huh? Yeah. Everybody's coming out of it. Everybody saved money. People trying to get things built and you're having problems with the city? Save time. Save money. Call ADR. Construction, deconstruction, demolition, rehab, project management, owner rep services, technology deployment. Hey. Get it done the way it should be done without excuses. Ethical, honest, smart, and always discreet. Call Barry Allen Tuck for free consultation. 248-318-9424. Mention the No Bullshit News Hour and tell them you need someone to fix your shit. All right. Let's get into this. Gretchen Whitmer comes out this week. An excellent work by Bloodhound Kurt Mauger of the Detroit News. He's the paper guy. Mm -hmm. Turns out she signed separation agreements with two of her top former aides, health director Robert Gordon, and yes, the unemployment chief Steve Gray, which included not only large payouts, $155,000, wait, to be specific, for Mr. Gordon, according to the contract, $155,506.00. And five cents. That's quite specific. Yes. Ladies, bureaucrats, nickel grubbing, <laughs> nickel grubbing bureaucrats that you couldn't even leave to five cents. You know what I mean? Yeah. God damn. And about $86,000 for Gray, the unemployment czar. You think he got his unemployment check? That's a great yet? question. I do bet he, he got his unemployment check. Uh, do you think he had to call 30 times a day or uh, keep logging on and doing everything that everybody else has to do? I'm going to tell you what. Junior is mm. up there fielding calls from constituents mm. who can't get their unemployment. Yeah. We're at wit's end. I, I read everything you send me. Everybody's asking for help. I'm trying. I don't know why uh, you have to pay that person off because they didn't seem to really be doing their job, but what do I know? Yeah, and they resigned. They didn't, you know, they resigned. They weren't fired, so why are you paying them? But we'll get to that. These agreements also included confidentiality clauses requiring them to keep their mouths shut about their incompetent time as public servants. And I'm allowed to say that because the evidence shows it clearly. Incompetent. Mm-hmm. Whitmer says uh, these sort of contracts are routine in the public sector. I think that's horse shit. Uh, they've never been in my time anywhere in government. Even Snyder didn't require to them after the Flint water poisoning. Oh. It's just a slow drip, man. Flint water poisoning. Oh, yeah, maybe that's not a... No, leave that. That's... You think it's a good look? It's an accent. She refuses to answer questions, citing the agreements themselves. But she's the one that asked for them. I can't talk because I don't want them to talk. And don't count on a real investigation from A.G. Dana Nessel. You know why? It was her (laughs) office who drafted the agreements. That's clever. Inconvenient. So something's up. And here is the bullseye. Here's the point. What are they trying to hush up? That's why we're suing for nursing home data, right? Yeah. What's the true death toll? You wouldn't think it'd be that hard to figure that out. Yeah, we should have it. That's why our next guest is riding shotgun in the Senate. What did they know? When did they know it? And why do they continue to do it? Hey, uh, thanks for your time. I know you're busy. Senator Jim Runstead of White Lake, he joins us. How are you, my friend? 
I'm no good, uh, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Okay, would you, would you, uh, right off the rip, what I just said there, what, what, do you, what do you think? Well, everything you said is uh, accurate. Uh, what she's trying to hide, in my view, is the crash and burn terrible performance by her Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, they have been in the epicenter of all the decisions from the beginning, and they have made one terrible decision after another. When they did their first rollout, they said things like, well, you can't have a person uh, mow your lawn because that person is going to go out and fill the tank with gas. So we'll have 10 customers go out and fill 10 lawnmowers and mow 10 lawns. And that's safe uh, that you uh, can go buy lottery tickets and booze and and uh, marijuana, but you can't in the spring and summer go work on your lawn and buy wood chips and paint these ridiculous things that have come out all along. And worst of all is what you just referenced, and that is her nursing home policy. We are one of five states that said you could take the COVID-infected patient and put them in with the non-COVID-infected population. And that's a good policy, she uh, felt, and, and uh, her uh, director, Gordon, felt. And it's turned out to be a complete catastrophe for the state of Michigan and for these families that have had loved ones in a nursing home. Well, we and don't know. We, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't. We don't know, do we? Because we can't get a clear look at numbers. It's the, sort of the take my word for it. Am I right? She said, "Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct." Uh, the uh, the governor has said we've had the best numbers. We have great numbers. Our numbers are accurate. Our numbers are good. And with Steve Johnson, who chairs the Oversight Committee in the House, said, okay, well, good, uh, come in and show them to us. Well, uh, we're not going to do that. In fact, uh, the director Hertel, the newly appointed director Hertel, who has been at DHS for some time, uh, refuses to come in and testify as to what these numbers are. Time so out, we're, time we're out, to time out. grapple with no information. What you just say, the, the uh, Hertel, is, is she the acting director? Has she been confirmed? In either way, she refuses to come in and answer questions? She is the acting director. I believe she's been since uh, January. And she was intimately involved with many of these decisions. She was uh, high up in DHHS. She has not been confirmed. Uh, I think that she should not be confirmed because she has not been shooting straight for a long time. And uh, this is uh, the advising consent of the Senate has to make this decision. So we should find out this week if she will be confirmed. Oh, Interesting. Um, let's let's do something real quick. We copied Andrew Cuomo in New York, and he's on fire. Okay, so let's remember something here. In May, they stopped doing it. The big difference between Whitmer and Cuomo is Cuomo was taking an ass beating in May by the media, by the legislators, by the public, and he stopped commingling. The huge difference is we're still doing it today. So let's let me let me tell you how this agreement comes about. Ten days after Cuomo's chief aide, DeRosa, right, mm -hmm. spills the beans to a bunch of Democrats on the phone ten days later about hiding the bodies, Whitmer settles with Robert Gordon. Now, are these kind of settlements, Jim, common in the public sector? Hush money or, you know, non-disclosure and a big, gigantic check. Have you seen that? No, I, I have not seen or heard of it done in the public sector. So wherever it may be done is done very rarely. 
and probably, in my view, probably inappropriately, it's done commonly in the private sector, but not the public sector. As you said, all the years Snyder was in office and, and even with the Flint water crisis, I never heard of anyone doing a confidentiality agreement. I do remember that her, his um, treasury director had, I think it's two months of severance pay. And uh, the then uh, Senator Whitmer got up and said, this is horrible. This is a catastrophe. How are they doing this golden parachute for this guy? And now look what she's doing. She said she was going to be the most transparent uh, administration. She's going to make sure that uh, she cooperates with all transparency. She's closed down Freedom of Information Act. She's got these, uh, you know, non-disclosure, hide the information. Don't let the public see what we're doing. Uh, this is not a transparent administration. Hey, Karen, you have spent a lot of time in government yourself. Basically, the de facto chief of staff for Dave Bing as we're trying to manage this crash landing uh, uh, of a city. Did you guys give out these these golden parachutes? No. And I wanted to ask the senator, I mean, unless this there was a contract in place, I've never heard of a public employee even receiving uh, severance pay. The other clarification is that any if you're an appointee, you sign a resignation letter uh, as part of your onboarding. So you are quietly fired, but it is presented as a resignation because your resignation is on file. Uh, you do serve at the will of the uh, elected official. But I've never heard of a non-contractual public official or public appointee getting a severance, getting severance pay. No, you're, you're an at-will employee and you're absolutely correct. Uh, whether you're fired or you quit, you're gone. You're on your own, except in this case, not only the severance pay, but the non-disclosure. I think that the severance pay was to sign the non-disclosure, and this non-disclosure is to make sure that all this garbage is being uh, kept bottled up, and we, the public, need answers. And God we're going right. fighting and fighting. It sounds like bribery <laughs> to me. It does. <laughs> Senator, you, you listed off a bunch of uh, things that were issues with her orders, but what specifically have you heard or do you feel was the specific um, rift between Gordon, his deputy director, Etsy, and uh, the governor? Oh, I, I think that uh, he was probably told to do a lot of the things that he ended up uh, having the department do from on high and that he's now probably thinking this is not the direction I wanted to go in, but I'm the fall guy. I'm taking the heat. And uh, he wanted to probably get out of there and spill the beans. And she wanted to prevent that. So I think it's a whole series of decisions that were catastrophically made during this whole process that he would have uh, dumped it, data dumped it out on the public. And that had to be stopped. I think that was the purpose behind all this. Let's remember something. Governor Whitmer, never by her own pen, required a death count. She never by her own pen required nursing home staff to be tested. This was, in fact, Mr. Gordon. We never counted the old folks in, in uh, adult foster care where the majority of the old people live. We don't, to this day, we're not counting them. We have no real idea of what's going on. Nonpartisan folks, we're trying to get the answer so we can fix end of life care. That's it. Remember, on the on the right, they hated me a month ago. No fraud at Kobo. 
Now the left's attacking me. That's I'm riding with Whitmer. I'm like, I am riding with you, right? It's been a rough week. Um, but I'll say this. The Republicans, Jim, man, where's the balls, bro? I'm seeing this. We're calling for the attorney general to fully investigate it. It's the attorney general. What you doing? Walk through the show. What, what's going on here? Drew's contractor walked through the middle of the show. Man, what a dud I Some work. Down here in the mezzanine. <laughs> Nestle drafted these contracts. That means she can't say anything. It's a conflict of interest. So, Jim, the Republicans are saying, oh, we're asking for a full accounting. We want, we want these documents handed over. We, we, we want some people to testify. We did that in the summer. This, is, is this theater? Where's the balls? Go nuclear and subpoena the administration. Where is it, Jim? We just had that discussion this last week, and I believe there's going to be subpoenas that are going to be starting to issue from committees uh, probably this coming week. Time out. That's news. That's breaking news. Give me the deet, the deet, the deet. We're close. I'm it. This show's almost getting good. Breaking news. I will do this in post. We'll take all this out. <laughs> no, we won't. Breaking news. We do it again. Breaking news. You've heard it first here on the No Bullshit News Hour. Joining us, Republican Senator Jim Rudstead announcing there will be subpoenas against the governor and her administration. To you, Senator. Yes, that's, uh, that is what uh, we were discussing last week, and I think that is exactly what's going to happen uh, this coming week and the week after. That is nuclear, right? You don't do that in American politics, especially state politics. because it, Why? Because it really poisons the atmosphere? You know, I, I've never understood the reticence when you really see there's wrongdoing to bring somebody in and subpoena them and require that they give answers. I don't know why that's such a, uh, a grave concern. Certainly, you don't want to be doing it on an ongoing basis over every little thing. But when there's something substantial like this is, and we're getting all this hiding and this lack of transparency and a non-disclosure agreement and all this stuff, We've got to get to the bottom of it. You're right. Uh, if Dana Nessel is the one who drafted these agreements and refused to do the uh, investigation before, uh, this is going to be dependent upon the legislature to step up to the plate and start uh, really getting serious about this. And so I, I think that's actually what's going to happen. Let, let me make something uh, crystal clear. I'm not alleging fraud. I got a suspicion something ain't right. I just want the documents, I want the data, and we'll arrive at the conclusion. And if the data shows me everything's on the up and up, you'll get that unfiltered and no bullshit. That's what I'm saying. So we're looking, hopefully this week, this week coming up, to file our suit and that other media outlets will join us. You're welcome too. I have uh, finally uh, one more question, Jim. I know you got to go and thanks for the time. Here's the three main players in the health crisis, the pandemic. You had a Robert Gordon, director of uh, Health and Human Services, who has no experience in the healthcare field. He was a number-crunching bureaucrat for Obama in the Office of Management and Budget. You have Dr. Joni Caldoun, who was Mike Duggan's health director, who helped him cover up the incompetent... Uh, 
uh, program that his gal pal yeah. put together uh, for prenatal, you know, save uh, the date s- or make the date, make make the, make the day to to stop prenatal uh, preemies and yeah. and and uh, uh, death at birth. Okay, she also famously said in I think 2018 that when you shut off people's water, it does not create a public health crisis. And then finally, the chief uh, medical director is Dr. David Neff, or the director of state Medicaid program. That's the one who determines what we're doing with the money, all the federal money for the poor, like nursing homes. A lot of cooks. Okay, so what was he doing during this? He was on paid suspension, making about 200 grand a year because he was under investigation for writing bogus opioid prescriptions. Oh, man. Okay, now he it's... He's accepted his punishment that he did without admitting that he did it. Yeah. So he was off doing something, wow. writing script. You got Dr. Caldoun, and now we know about Gordon. Who was running the fucking ship, Jim? Great question. You know, you're, you're telling me some stuff. I had no idea, this, some of this background uh, intelligence. This is, uh, this is great stuff that uh, we'll be asking some more questions about uh, when I get back to the Senate. But you're, you're absolutely correct. If the legislature isn't going to step up to the plate, isn't going to start issuing subpoenas, isn't going to start doing this on our own, no one's going to get to the bottom of this. I don't believe the press is going to get to the bottom of it. The attorney general's not going to get to the bottom of it. It's going to require the legislature really drilling down. And like you said, we're, we're not saying something happened. We're saying we don't know. And that's the big problem. We aren't getting information. We need to get the information to give to the public so that they can have confidence in their state government. I'll leave that. That's the last word. Thank you for your time. I know you're very busy today. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Charlie. Now, Karen, before uh, we came on, you were you were saying that Whitmer ran on a platform of open government. Yeah, she ran on a platform of transparency, um, like the senator said, and like you brought up in terms of challenging some of the things and some of the information that was not being openly and freely disclosed by former Governor Snyder. Um, I just, as a public official, I don't think that anybody should have to FOIA, threaten, or beg for information relative to the decisions that they're making on behalf of the people who put them in office. Mm. We certainly understand that people aren't perfect. We know that this was an unprecedented pandemic. People were trying to figure it out as they went along, but I think it's disingenuous to not disclose the accuracies of the impact of those decisions that, that have been made. I, I mean, that's just to protect your image or ultimately your seat. I think that's unfair. And again, you know, so well put, like it saves us to this program because that's rational and fair. I, I couldn't agree more. I, again, 100% but, sure that I think I voted for Whitmer. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did. And I voted yeah. for Snyder. And look, I'm holding their feet to the fire. Somebody's got to do it right. because it's, yeah, what? I always said I liked Gretchen when she was in the state. I had no issues. I Everybody thought and hoped that she would you know, kind of boss up and be that strong female leader that people had hoped they'd find, but didn't in Jennifer Granholm. But if you listen, Charlie, nothing ever changes. We're still talking about transparency. We're still talking about, you know, protecting people's homes, giving them clean water, not over the same thing we've been talking about for decades. Nothing ever changes. So like you went into government 
and you went there to change the world. And then you got what? there. Yeah. And what happened? I, I thought you think you can make a difference, Charlie. I, I have to just a quick backstory. Once upon a time, when after I graduated from college, I wanted to leave Detroit. I, I thought I wanted to go somewhere else. And after I found out that I was going to stay here, I made a commitment to try to make this the best city that I could. But I, like so many other people, when you get into city government or even organizations, institutions, you find that the process that the is so heavily laden that the game never changes. So you either buckle under, participate, you keep hitting your head against a brick wall, or you leave. Do you remember that young you? That young, bushy-tailed you wanting to make the difference getting into the government? Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember like what you first wore the first day to the office? I know you do. Actually, yeah. Tell I, us what know, it was. Charlie, I do. I mean, you know, but, but I, you know, after having been an entrepreneur for so long, I said, you know, I, I, when I first, when I worked with Kilpatrick, I made sure I did not show up early. I said, because, you know, I, I hate the nine to five mentality. But after I got in and even with Dave Bing, he and I would almost like race to see who was going to be at the office first. We would get there at seven o'clock in the morning. We worked 12, 14 hours a day, every day. So, you know, there are people that want to make a difference, but you've got, you know, I remember Charles Pugh said once, he said, you know, the public expects (laughs) counsel. I know, whatever, but I'm saying he actually says that people, people expect them, you know, to just to fight. I said, but not to fight if it doesn't make sense. So people were pushing back on issues that could have made a difference for people just for the sake of, you know, pushing back. What did you wear your first day? I had, I wore black. Let me say that. <laughs> What'd you wear? What were the shoes? Buckles? Boots. Boots. Zip, boots. Zip, no. zip boots. boots. Thigh, uh, well, uh, 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 knee high, shin yep. high, ankle boots? Boots. <laughs> Heel black. boots? Heels? Heels. All, all, yeah. Heel. Remember that at one time they called me the, the leader of the high heel mafia. Oh. <laughs> I was the bad guy. <laughs> oh, I'd wear that with a, with a badge of pride. Well, this is important because, you know, look, I mean- I don't care if it's Cuomo or Snyder or Whitmer. I mean, again, you were, was there something sexist in being called the leader of the high heel mafia? Do you feel that there was a double standard? No, there also, I wasn't offended when people said that I was, that I was a bitch only because Charlie, this city was struggling as it continues to struggle today. I had a commitment to make sure that people who spent their taxpayer dollars to pay my salary and everybody else's salary, that they were getting 200%. And I expected that from the people that were on my team and that were around me. I'm not a corner cutter. I have been an entrepreneur the majority of my career. So I have a different approach to getting things done. I'm not a check collector. And I expected that. And there were a lot of people that just didn't feel the same way. Now, let me just do that. Before uh, I introduce our next guest, Here, here's the thing. First of all, y'all listening, can you tell your parents where to find us? You know what I mean? Because once the older crowd catches on, they like what we're doing and yeah. th- this is for them. So show them how to get on. Number two, I forgot number two. So let me just go to Hall Financial. <laughs> That's a good number two. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you feeling good about your interest rate? Right? Yeah, I think so. I, think it's, uh, I don't know. Pretty if solid. I, 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 I smell something coming. I'm I starting to smell it's things maybe going to drift up. A little bit, yeah. Right? You feeling well, it? Well, we've already seen it a little bit, but yeah. So get it done. Oh, listen, 
Call Hall Financial because rates are low. They're still hovering around to three. Mm-hmm. All right? Be smart. Make the call because you can be saving money. Don't put it off to tomorrow. I'm telling you. Hall Financial is fast, and they do it all the heavy lifting for you. Right? So go to davidhallmortgage.com and get started. That's davidhallmortgage.com. Or call 248-308-5000. And remember, NMLS number 1467435. I have no idea what that is. I know. That noise, yeah. Okay, and finally, you know, hit it. God. <laughs> I'm a little slow in the draw today. If you're not among the high heel mafia, you ain't getting no breaks on no contracts. You can't call the mayor and set up a little dummy corporation and maybe get a little, little something, something on the side. Maybe you're not like that, right? Maybe you actually got to work. Be legit. You're one, them, you're one of them lunch pail people. Or you're one of those, oh, let's cybersecurity guys who works all day in his pajamas and doesn't really do anything. In his lower level. Yeah, and he turns on the computer so the boss is thinking he's working. <laughs> he just leaving a footprint. Maybe the boss is starting to downsize. Anyway, listen, Ooh. you got to save your money. You must plan for your retirement. Any questions? Call finance specialist Luke Nowacki, 248-663-4748. Matter of fact, tell me King to stop by. Specialized. After all the answers. Specialized. From annuities to individual retirement accounts to college savings plans. Call Luke Girl, you, got the, you got the boomers, bloomers in a bind. Everybody's offended that you're asking for their parents. They said you're already appealed to the older over 50 crowd. You got a couple 60 plus, uh, 60 year old plus uh, people that have said they have followed you for a long time. So don't offend the boomers, Charlie. They love you. <laughs> Take it easy, boomer. Yeah. Oh, geez. I meant your parents. Well, boomers are canceling people now. <laughs> I meant the greatest generation. Yes. You know, you know, the, the, the ones like my mom, doesn't even, she didn't even. Kidding, not well, they're, text. Listen, they're listening to they're on here, Charlie. So, hey, don't don't uh, don't underestimate them. They are here in full force and they're not happy that you're looking for them. Well, somebody there. call my mom. Somebody call my mom. <laughs> Take her out to lunch and tell her to get with it. She won't listen to me. She won't listen to me. She'll be seeing me on TV and then she's proud of me. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Yeah, it's yeah. always the way. <laughs> for two minutes as opposed to an hour. Always the way. You know, listen. When they, when they talk about an audience, the important people are somehow like 22 to 55. Mm-hmm. I say, why? We're all living a long time. My friend Matt Phillips' mom, right? She's a woman of a certain age, real hip, real sophisticated. You know, she's starting to tune in, and I like it because she's open-minded. She's liberal, you know, but she deals with the elderly. Mm-hmm. And it's giving her information. That's all I'm saying. But I'll take... Anybody, any human being that wants to have a discussion. I am the most liberal guy you ever met. And I'm conservative in the sense that I don't like society rapidly changing in the sense that the factories are gone and we're all with our with our pants around our ankles. I like society when it moves fast, when you got equal rights for everybody. Yep. When you leave gay people alone. Yeah, that right? moved, that did move fast. Right? You let you let the DACA people have their yeah. citizenship. You let Immigrant children who are adults who grew up here are part of our fabric. 
I just believe that. You actually think about the issues and then make a decision. Jeez. And there's no fraud truck in Cobo Hall. <laughs> not that again. Or that Melissa chick, right? Oh, I, not her again. Somebody sent me a post. She said That's this. A stripper girl, right? Yes. Oh. Yeah, a stripper girl. <laughs> or whatever she is. <laughs> Who's running Former. for something in Gross Point. So good luck with that, Gross Point. But I'm a biggest liar, right? Until I'm suing the government for the for the data in the nursing homes. And now you're great. Now the post is finally Charlie Duff tells the truth. Do you even know the answer to that? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm just trying to like get some answer. Jesus, I'm sick of this. And you know who else is sick of this? Junior. Oh, poor Junior. Junior. He's a Gen Z dude. Just call me up. Just get got a hold of me, right? He is a junior legis uh, junior legislative aide to a junior legislator, and he's there taking constituent calls and stuff. And he went Grunt to work. He went to Lansing to make a better society, make his way in the world. Junior goes to the Capitol, and then Junior finds out. Hey, Junior, are you there? Yes, sir. How's it going? Very good, Junior. You're looking good. Yeah, you are. Look at those cherubic little cheeks of yours. <laughs> so cute. So Junior, and he legitimately he is real. Oh, he's real. Yeah, but very. here's the thing. Yes, uh, Junior's going to be our spy up there. Junior's going to be the every person who's going to hang around the senator's toilet with their two ply toilet paper in the middle of this recession. He's going to hang around the commissary. You know, he's going to do it all for us. He's going to file reports. But Junior, how is your time at Lansing? Are, are, you, are you dissatisfied, disillusioned? Disillusioned, probably. Yeah. What's what's happening? You you call me. You were taking calls about unemployment. Yeah. Unemployment. Yeah. And I mean, the reason I reached out in that specific case was um, I had a gentleman who I've been working with, older gentleman, taking care of his children, his grandchildren. He's a vet. Um. And unemployment been putting him through the ringer basically for the last, I don't know, six months. Telling him his money was coming, his money was coming, his money was coming. And then he gets a ruling, letter in the mail, saying, actually, you're ineligible. You're not going to be getting any of this money. And actually, all the money that you got, you have to pay back. Oh, wow. Bullshit. And, I mean, and, you know, I, I hate to say this, but this is kind of what triggered it for me. And, you know, you hear this on the phones. Is he, he, told me that he wanted to take his life. That's what he felt like doing. And it's, you can only hear that so many times before it's like, geez, like, what, what's going on? And Junior, do you, do you take your findings and your phone logs and your messages to, to not only your boss, let's not single out your boss, but anybody who will listen? And, and is there a, as far as you see, just you, a real push to get this straightened out? Not that I see now. Because every, every office, you know, they have one or two people who are doing the same thing as me. And as far as I know, all the other people that I've talked to, they, you know, you hear stuff on the phones and, you know, you bring it, you bring it to the boss. And I'm sure that I know I have and I know that other uh, individuals in my position have. And it's like, falls on deaf ears. I mean, obviously, you know, these are not bad people. Um, I think that oftentimes they don't think perhaps that they have as, as much power, as much influence as they actually do. 
you know, they could pick up the phone. They could make a phone call on this person's behalf. It would go a lot longer away than, you know, just me calling or me, me sending an email. Do they think it's the house of cards up there? Like it's, you know, an HBO or uh, what was that? Yeah. Yeah, Netflix, yeah. House of Cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, they, do they think they're like a big deal, like they're in Washington, like we're the power, we do lunch? The, the egos, yeah. And they get, you know, it gets, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, like you were, you were saying earlier, these special interests and these lobbyists, they make them feel that way. They make them feel big and important. They take them out to steak dinners. They give them tickets to the basketball game, good seats, box seats. And it makes them, it makes them feel... High and mighty, and I think that uh, oftentimes that leads to a separation from what's going on back in the district. Do you feel that um, they're more beholden to those people, the lobbyist, or being a politician, than actually helping out the guy that called you? Let me let me jump in there. Yeah. Here, here's exactly where. Let me focus it. The legislators up there in a week. How much time? This is exactly what Mark said, but how much time do they set aside to meet us, the people? And how much time do they spend with, you know, the stakeholders? Stakeholders, yeah. Um, the people, I mean, not, maybe you're talking on a monthly basis. They're, they're with the, and they're back in district, so, you know, they're, they're talking to people back there, I'm sure. Probably not talking to the people who they actually should be talking to. They're talking to other elected officials, um, you know people who are doing well through all this. Um, But when they're they're up there, when they're up in Lansing where we can't see... when they're up in Lansing, it's all the meetings are stakeholders. Legitimately, every single one. There's nothing like, oh, you know, you're meeting with a constituent today for half an hour talking about this issue. That's not a thing. You're talking with lobbyists, people from different associations, um... You know, they're coming with bill ideas, which is something that I never thought happened before I got to Lansing. Lobbyists bringing ideas to the legislator, you know, to push forward. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's how they spend their time in Lansing. Wow. But back to that example. I mean, that's a guy that is concerned about taking he's a constituent. They can't pause to pick up the phone for one person for a legitimate issue. Yeah, I mean... In my opinion, you know, they should be doing more. That's what a, I, you know, a true leader would do. Let me get involved in any way that I can. I mean, it's not like these people are asking for for us to move heaven and earth for them. They're asking for us to, you know, give them a shot. And you know, a lot of times, you know, we can't even do that. Other staffers refuse to even do that. So. They're busy patting, patting us on the head, aren't they? I'm going to fix that. And then they turn around and go have fucking lunch. And yeah. meanwhile, Grandpa blows his brains out because I know so many people. Like, I got some special power. All, all, they, all the people listening to this show want to know is I do know the guys at the top. And I know guys like and gals at the top and, and guys and gals like you. And I'm trying to get the word out. I don't have a wand. And I think you don't either. And you thought maybe you did. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I do as much as I can, but at the end of the day, um, it doesn't mean much for me, or it doesn't mean as much as uh, coming from me as it does from the elected official themselves. I mean, when, you know, when an elected official calls, somebody picks up the phone and 
on time and they say, what do you mean? You know? And that's, that's the power that you have as an elected official. Like, you can do those sorts of things, but you're busy, you know, eating, eating lunch or, or taking a dinner with, you know, a, a stakeholder. Charlie, I want to get on something that Junior said that I don't want to be, I don't want it to be lost because it happens at every level. Everybody is gassing these people up. They're gassing up the people around them. They're gassing up the, the, the elected officials and they have a false sense of, I guess, uh, superiority. And it completely takes them out of touch with the people who elected them. And the people and the people that they're supposed to serve. Now, Junior also said something else, too, is that when people call, people can pick up the phone and get things done. When certain if you get to the right person, you could get something done. But everybody should have that same access and opportunity. If the problem can be resolved, if you get through to the governor's office or get through to the mayor's office, it should be resolved, period. You should not have to go through all that to get what you deserve as a resident of this city or this state. And by the way, Junior, you hear that? So she clarified it because you, 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 you really, your voice. Do you, I mean, do you have a mustache? Do you, do you grow whiskers yet? No, not yet. Nothing like that. He doesn't. Barely out of the cradle. No. He's so young. And so when you get up there, you're disappointed. For, forget the, the legislators, the senators and the representatives. Yeah. But the chief, chiefs of staff, they're all like old. They're all like 29. They're all like grandmas. Right? <laughs> I mean, how's the love life up there? I mean, uh, any any Gen Zers around, or they're all like the the millennials? What do you make of the mil- mil- millennials? I mean, you know, they're fine. I mean, everyone's most, you know, mostly around my age. People in my positions are, you know, younger. But yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, all the, all the staffers. That's the thing. This. If you want to hear what's actually going on, you should sit in on some of the conversations with the staffers. Because what I'm saying right now is just conversations that I have with with some of those people. Now, some of them are much different. Um, but, you know, this is kind of what we talk about. Like, you know, you know what, what's going on? And I came in, and obviously when you come in with fresh eyes, I mean, you know, I've, I've not been around for, for too long. But it's just all this stuff sort of hit me quickly. And... Like Karen was saying with, you know, the special interests is it's not really even necessarily about money. It's about the fact that these lobbyists and these stakeholders come in and they make the members feel like they are their friends. Like, you know, they, like I said, they take them out to dinner. They, hey, how are you doing? All, all the, me- all the you know, these meetings are, they start just, hey, how are you doing? How's the family? How's the kids? And so they make them feel like they're your friends so that when they need when they need you to kill a bill, when they need you to push a bill, when they need you to vote a certain way, they, and you're doing a favor for a friend. So at that point, it's not even about money. It's kind of just, I mean, I would consider some of them to just be gullible. Like, how are you not sitting there knowing that these people want something from you? How are you actually believing that they're your friends? And that's the issue that I have. It's like they come in and it's all buddy, buddy. Hey, it's like that movie. What's that movie with Mathau and uh, Lemon? They're selling aluminum siding. Oh, um, Grumpy Old Men? No. Is Is that one? I don't know, but memories. Well, they've been a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. he's an aluminum siding salesman. He goes, "How you doing?" Hey, and, he, and he brings about you know a, a fruit cake and shit. Like mm-hmm. I'm your pal. Of course, no. So, they all know what the end game is. This that's is, the gassing up, though. Yep. That's what it is. That's and this is this up. is how we got this is how we got a blanket waiver <laughs> for nursing homes. Like we'll take them in, 
as long as you don't sue us and you pay us a lot. Yep. And we're all happy, but we're not happy. And Junior's seeing it. Listen, Junior, we're going to move along. But here's the thing, brother. Learn. Keep your head. You're just seeing what life really is. And do not get lost. Remember, remember what your parents taught you. Right? Get, get, get the wisdom, but you don't have to cave to it. You know? Stay don't. true to who you are, Junior. Stay true to who you are and stay true to the reason why you went there in the first place. You may not be able to make the big difference all at once, but as long as you stand firm in who you are and what you're sincerely committed to, you will make a difference. Right here. Appreciate Appreciate you having me out. No, here's what I want from you before we go. Okay. Yeah. No, we're going to have it. This is going to be a drop moment where we're going to record this. I need you to give me a nice, hearty, fix the shit. Okay. Fix the shit. Okay, now how about this one? Just fix the shit. Just fix the shit. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, man. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I have a splendid day, Junior. Go have a bottle okay. and a nap. Call me anytime. Here, Junior. Try a bubble bath, kid. <laughs> I hope he doesn't quit, though, man. That's that's the isn't that the fear? You get disillusioned, you just fucking quit. And in case you're out there going like, who's this dude? It, it's just a young person of ours who who listens mm-hmm. and he just called up and he and and we talked for a few hours try to talk the guy down you know continue don't leave it yeah to the creeps continue yep. don't let him win you know as long as he keeps his center about him i believe in this system this is the greatest system in the world it's just been corrupted by people yeah. doesn't mean mm-hmm. that the system's corrupt Right? But mm-hmm. somebody pointed out that for him to have to even speak to you, Charlie, in disguise yep. speaks volumes about, you know, just how everything is not the way it's presented and people don't have a right to speak up and out for the purpose of making things better. I mean, you know, he wants to do the right thing for the people, you know, th- that are in this state and he'd be penalized, crucified, fired without a severance check. <laughs> You know, for speaking up. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's a nice segue. Thank you for that, because we've done that many times on this program. Real, the super cop. Remember super cop? Mm -hmm. Right? And Sergeant No Name? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes they have to to do it because, like, I don't care. They don't want to do it. I don't need to speak to the governor. I'm not going to get anything there but an empty answer. But, governor, I do speak to the people around you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, hey, representative, whose guy, who, whose guy is junior? Know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how it works. How many people I talk to? Now, I want to say this. News from Capital City. Detroit Red is ongoing education. He's a pretty good reporter. He's really good. Right? Give him his due. Yeah. So listen, um, we sent him to a press conference. Dig this now. Here, this is my recollection. Another fire truck in Detroit is cracked up. That makes at least five by my count. Consider, the current chief of department, the highest ranking guy, was caught at a bar with a city-owned SUV back in 2017. Two months later, he told investigators he backed the department SUV into his house. Hmm. He was promoted anyway to the top position. You're not supposed to get the top position, you know what I mean, when you're taking... The city vehicle to the bar. Seems obvious. The deputy chief of department left the keys in his, left the keys, quote unquote, in his vehicle late last year, and it was recovered smashed up in a vacant lot. The fire marshal of the Detroit Fire Department in 2018 was so drunk, 
He did not realize he'd smashed up his city-owned vehicle that he was driving around or that he was driving on rims with sparks flying or that he was wearing mismatched shoes. He blew twice the legal limit. Battalion Chief 5 was arrested for DUI after he was found trapped in his truck dangling over the Lodge Freeway last week. And a week before that, the driver of Squad 6, a heavy rescue engine, smashed into a parked car. Not the kind of emergency help you need. He tested over the legal limit. So, what the fuck is going on? We sent Red to public safety headquarters where the mayor and the uh, commissioner of the fire department gave us this. What up, though? I just did my first press conference about the Detroit firefighters drunk driving and tearing up city vehicles. Let me tell you something. That bullshit was more like a school assembly than it was a press conference. First, they came out and basically said, we already knew, but now that you know, we're going to act like we care and do something about it. Because we have had an issue arise publicly uh, in the last week that is going to be addressed with the utmost urgency and seriousness. Then they basically said, even though we already knew, we really just learning about this like you are. <laughs> but in the last week, I have learned more about alcoholism in firehouses across the country uh, than I knew uh, existed. And just like anybody that knew they to blame, the first thing they do is say, we don't want to blame nobody. Uh, we're not here to focus on who's to blame. We're focusing on how we're going to solve it. What the fuck? I thought that's what we was here for, to find out who's to blame for the problem. But of course, they know common sense thinking people is going to say that. So they had to find a good old reliable fall guy. And just like everything else been happening in the last year, higher crime rate, bogus demolition, and anything else that's that went wrong with City Works, it was going wrong well before it showed up on the scene. Who did they blame? Good old COVID. <laughs> what made it worse, without a doubt, uh, was the impact of COVID. <laughs> we are immediately going to resume practices that had been relaxed during COVID as the chaotic and frightening COVID-19 virus <laughs> has spread invisibly throughout our city. See, because uh, I had never done a press conference before, I thought this shit would go like it do in the movies. They give us some information and I would get to raise my hand at the question point and ask some questions. But that ain't what they did. What they did, because they didn't want nobody to ask them no serious questions, was they handpicked a couple people to ask some softball-ass questions. So Mayor Dudu says, I didn't get to ask no real questions that the average man with common sense would have asked after hearing all this bullshit. I'm going to pose three questions to you, and you can feel free to answer me at any time. Question number one. You say the recent rise in drunk driving accidents and drinking amongst the fire department and other departments with tearing up city vehicles all started and went up because of COVID. When the reality is, we been knew this was going on since 2017. So how did you just find out? Hmm. Question number two. How many more times do you think the citizens of Detroit is going to hear COVID as an excuse for everything? 
high crime rates, bogus demolition deals, city services not being uh, properly intact. I mean, damn, how much more COVID blame can we accept for shit that was already fucked up well before COVID came around? And my third and final question, Mayor Dudu, is you going to resign? Because I think the people of Detroit is getting tired of shoveling your shit. It's your boy, Comedian Detroit Red. You know how I do it. Deuces. Well done. Wow. He, he deserves an Emmy for that. That's great. <laughs> That's not, I mean, what did, he, what did he show us there? One, the vacuousness of the press conferences now and how the media has laid down and accepted this. This is like Whitmer's. Cuomo's doing it this way now, right? Mm -hmm. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And that wasn't even Zoom. There were people sitting there and they weren't taking any questions. Number two, what did Red figure out? It's a, that's an actual New York Times op-ed think piece, which is the great COVID blame for oh, yeah. incompetent government. Because I would tell you- You hear it everywhere. Uh, latest crime stats, Karen. For the first two months of this year, murder's up 10% from a year where murder was up 20%. Dig this. Non-fatal shootings- are up 60% after a year where they went up 53%. COVID? <laughs> Karen, what, Why happened, not? what happened to those demolition contracts we were talking about last week? Well, if you remember last week, the, the uh, contracts were presented to city council in a package, which meant that they were being looked upon to being passed all together. Council voted in half and postponed half until the following week because there were some questions. Uh, the legitimacy of the business, being a Detroit-based business, the number of Detroiters that are being employed, the dirty dirt, Charlie, that you uncovered, and some of the other issues that surround it. Um, and the indictment last contract. week of the big asbestos uh, contract. It, it, that too. And, you know, this one company that just got a Detroit address less than a month before the contracts were presented. So these were all questions that were brought up. No answers brought back. But yet still, the remaining 11 contracts, those outstanding contracts, were approved the other day. So they, so made, they made a big show of we have, we have additional questions, come back next week. And they already made up their mind. That's the MO, Charlie. This is, and I'm not trying to put anybody under the bus, but it's put them strategic. Under the bus. You know who's going to be there. You know who's going to vote yes. You know who's going to vote no. So you have a big discussion when, it, you know, a, a public, you know, hearing, you got to, because there were, there must have been about, I listened to that the first time for like two and a half hours. There were like 60 public comments. So you entertain all that, but then you bring it back the next week or so as a line item and it slips through with very little attention. What happened to the big contract with the mayor's former communications director at the corrupt Detroit Medical Center who now has a private uh, media firm and they're looking to toss three quarters of a million dollars towards what happened to that that, contract? Too has, that too has been postponed to next week and i'm going to keep an eye on it i had the opportunity to share my perspective with a couple of uh the council uh, representatives because i'm like listen you guys have the biggest and deepest communications department that exists what's so difficult about placing an ad you own a television station and all the stations are participating like you said charlie they're obligated to do public service announcements what are you going to use 1.4 million dollars for Whoa. only two hundred thousand dollars that i saw in the documents were allocated for actual inventory wait go so slow what, what? wait hold, go slow what you saw the ah. document how she's going to spend it how much yes. is the three quarters of a million is actually going to a media buy 
that I saw on yeah. the documents that I was able to see $200,000. And here's the other thing. So we got a half only, million floating only, around. Only three iHeart stations and one television station were included in that buy, not including the only Detroit-owned, Detroit-based and Black-owned radio station if, in fact, you're trying to reach the you know people in Detroit, this is still the blackest city in America. Why would you not have that station included? So it's it, it's it's all a familiar. The same thing Junior was talking about. It's yeah. just the friendship. It's, that's it. You that's see it. that? See how the show just came together right there. I mean the program. Excuse me, the program. Here's here's the part you should listen to. The fire department is not working with a contract. They're in mediation. The plan is to cut the department down to size. Remember, we got budget holes. We're blaming COVID. They want to whack that down. It's questionable if you're going to get your pensions. In two and a half years, we got to start finding $200 million more million a year to pay for those. What happens if we can't? Your pension goes down. Pay attention. This is real shit. What happened to the roads? What happened to the nursing homes? Why hasn't anything been fixed. When you said it was comeback, look, the COVID slowdown. Look, now look, what did we actually build? We have a half-built skyscraper, an undermanned police force, firemen losing their minds. They get no mental health. They sued, the union sued a couple years ago to get mental health help. You haven't had it. And now you're saying they're breaking down because of COVID. It's a lack of leadership. I don't know what you have to point to. I'll debate you anytime. I know, I know the state too. It goes from Detroit to Lansing to Washington. And we the people, no matter how you're thinking, we deserve better than this and we're expecting better than this. And it's time we better stand up. I want to leave with a story of one of our most vulnerable. Let me put it this way. He's a black man. He's a veteran of the Korean War. He's basically a Tuskegee Airman. He's a Detroiter. He's elderly. He's, he's a guy we're supposed to look out for. This is, this is our wise man. Clarence was an 86-year-old ward of the state. That means the government, legally speaking, was his mother. Clarence suffered from acute dementia and lived in a nursing home for veterans. Then he caught COVID. His mother, the state of Michigan had no real plan as to what to do with him. And so Clarence spent the last months of his life being dragged from nursing home to hospital, hospital to nursing home, and finally to the mortuary. To this day, his mother does not know he died. The state of Michigan has not bothered to keep track of how many of its thousands of adult wards have succumbed to the disease during the great pandemic, revealing yet another gaping hole in the social safety net. The state does not bother to track the COVID deaths in the majority of the adult foster care homes where the majority of her wards live. Clarence's odyssey begins in early March last year, just as the coronavirus is crackling across Michigan. Clarence, declared legally incapacitated by a judge, falls ill and is transferred from the veterans home where he stays to a Detroit area hospital. Clarence recovers to some degree and a week later is declared well enough to be sent back to the nursing home. 
but Clarence's nursing home doesn't have the skill to keep Clarence well. And within days, Clarence is sent back to the hospital. This is the height of the pandemic and hospital beds are filling up. Even though Clarence is hot and contagious with COVID-19, he is considered stable enough to be sent back to the nursing home. And so he's returned like a gaunt dog to a doorstep. It's mid-April now. The governor has just issued her controversial nursing home decree, allowing COVID-positive patients to be readmitted to the nursing homes and other long-term care facilities like the foster homes. It is important to say that Clarence's facility is also home to elderly people who are not infected with the coronavirus. Clarence is really suffering by now, but the government is not there to hold his hand or soothe him or question the care he's receiving. It has become a laborious chore for the old man to breathe. Cardiorespiratory failure setting in, according to the records reviewed by me. He is enduring recurrent COVID infections. He's bedbound. He's demented. Poor Clarence doesn't know what's happening to him. The day after being declared stable by the hospital and returned to the nursing home, Clarence relapses and is once again loaded up and trucked back to the hospital. A week later, Clarence is again declared stable. He is returned to the nursing home where he spends the next 11 days. Then he relapses again and again he is trucked back to the hospital. After 10 weeks of being dragged along like a bag of laundry, after eight disorienting trips where he may have spread the virus to untold caregivers and bunk mates, the unimaginable suffering of Clarence has mercifully come to its end. He was buried in a pauper's grave. There are hundreds if not thousands of others like Clarence. No one can really say how many because mother does not know and does not bother to know where her children are sleeping tonight. My girl, my girl, don't lie to me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? Come on, tell me, baby. In the ponds, in the ponds, where the sun don't ever shine. I was shivering all night through. My girl, my girl, where will you go? I'm gone where the cold wind blows. Where's that, baby? In the ponds, in the ponds, where the sun don't ever shine. I wish you would oh, not you. My girl. My girl, don't you lie to me Tell me where did you sleep last night Come on and tell me something about it In the ponds, in the ponds Where the sun don't ever shine I was shivering all night through Shiver for me now What happened down there? My husband, oh, 
hold the hard work and make Till a mile and a half from here What happened to him? His head was bound in a driver wheel And his body haven't never been found My girl, my girl, don't you lie to me Tell me where did you sleep last night Come on and tell me somebody In the pines, in the pines Where the sun don't ever shine I bet you will all night through 